0: Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, president of Measurable Results LLC and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs podcast. Today with me I have Roberto Tamburino, Uh President of Freight Audit and Payment for AFS Logistics. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Very happy to be here, Martin.
0: I'm glad to have you.
1: So tell us a little bit about you and
0: AFS and what you do there and how it's structured, and just tell us the world about this
1: thing. Sure. Um, <laughs> Happy to do that. AFS um, is a third-party logistics provider. Um, We focus our solutions on really being experts in each of the niches in which we service. I'm one with Freight Audit and Payment, which is how this company started 40 years ago, um, was our founder, Brian Barker, started a post-audit company and grew to the international organization we are today. Um, We specialize in cost management solutions across LTL. Truckload, international solutions, parcel, and freight audit and payment is really the thread that unites all of them. Um, I lead an organization of extremely talented people. I'm very proud of the team that I have. Um, we are managing tens of thousands of invoices every day, um, so it's it's grown significantly more than our humble beginnings 40 years ago. But I'm really proud to be here. It's my 20th year. In the supply chain industry, um, I actually celebrate that anniversary in July. Um, so, twenty years in the industry. This is absolutely the best place I've ever spent my time and worked. I'm happy to be here.
0: That's awesome. It's awesome to hear that. Thanks. Too. Thanks. Actually, my background—I founded a third-party logistics company in Memphis. That's so how I got to the South. I'm not. I don't know if you knew. I'm not I'm down here, but <laughs> I'm from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I spent uh, 16 years uh, in that in that industry, so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it. Um, How did you get started doing what you're doing?
1: I accidentally fell into supply chain. Honest, honest story. I was the honest to God. I was the one of the managing partners of a consulting firm. And we were focused on telecommunications, and in the 90s, telecom was a very diverse market. Um, it was the land of competitive local exchange carriers, you know, the C-Lex, um and the regional Bell operating companies had all broken up. AT and T, so there was a lot of complexity and opportunity. And my organization was focused on the people side of the business, right? Um, having the right hiring practices, the right training, developing expertise, deep expertise in your people and setting that up for success. And then when telecom went bust and we all kind of went to one provider again, in a sense, (laughs) I looked, it was just a big waste of time. Um, but, But I looked at where I was in my career and what I wanted to do next and i certainly did not want to remain in that industry i didn't see myself working for one of the stale regional bell operating companies even though i certainly had my offers there and i i have always been attracted to the concept of connection and the supply chain is our biggest example of that right i was fascinated at the thought of connecting a manufacturer to a distributor, to an ultimate consumer. I love the idea of having the connection of I have freight and where do I get it from A to B, all of the complexities on the technology and how those things connect. So I was really drawn to it. Um, And so I accepted the first job I could at Schneider Payment Services. Um, I had a financial background as well, so it was a good fit and grew throughout the 20 years to be right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, at our headquarters at AFS. Well, good for you
0: and one of the things i want i want to touch on <clears throat> excuse me this is manufacturing supply chain mm-hmm. I've been in manufacturing for you know outside of logistics for about 30 years almost uh, i think what I'm trying to do is drive the with this podcast is drive the uh, the relationship between supply chain and mani- and manufacturing closer right now especially if you're a small manufacturer you're out on the tail i mean you know the big manufacturers are buying the inventory and the supply chains down and you know, personal relationships sell in business, but the supply chain is critical, and I and I see that kind of being an afterthought, you know, uh, to a lot of companies I've dealt with. Anyway, so uh, how do you how do you how do you see that? In what you're doing? And how can you impact manufacturing with your with your service?
1: So it's interesting because I see a lot of that same theme expressed in freight audit and payment. You know, so all of the work's been done, the rates have been negotiated, the freight has been tendered, the load has been delivered, and here is your bill. And traditionally in the space, it just seemed as the end, right? And the more I became in tune with the financial supply chain and the physical supply chain, I said, it's not even a chain. It's not a linear event. It's more akin, not even to the circle, but really the infinity symbol, right? Where it's, it's like an eight, because everything you do at each step feeds ultimately into your next step at the very beginning, not your just next step in the space, but at the very beginning. So speaking to manufacturing in particular, managing your inventory is a challenge, right? We we know that we've lived through COVID. Manufacturing has been really interesting, right? And there's some additional challenges there everyone's had to face and are still fighting through in many respects. But the decisions you make to move a product today or the inventory you levels today will completely impact what you're doing, not only tomorrow, but at the very start of your purchasing cycle. It's cyclical, it never ends. The supply chain is now getting to a place where I think we, our technology and our people and our processes have finally converged in a place that we get that, right? So, where financial data at the end of the process is being used to make business decisions, buying business decisions at the very start of the next process, right? Yeah. That we have, you know, we can't just in time inventory levels don't work anymore. Right. So they we've learned that we all we've all learned that with our toilet paper, we've all learned that um, (laughs) that we have to have some inventory, but what is the right amount? And so we're all being challenged in many, many ways as to what we can or should do. Where I see our role in all of that, particularly in the financial supply chain aspect, is this is where we can provide fluidity. This is where we can engage unique capital solutions, where we can allevi- alleviate some of the concerns with having too much inventory on a balance sheet, right? These are the sort of innovations that the financial supply chain is coming through to go beyond just, we need a truck to move, or I need a load to be picked up, or when can you get me X amount of widgets and by Y and where are you sourcing them from? I mean, honestly, to me, those are you know, early 2000 questions. And now our world is so completely different and the connection we all have to each other that we've always had was exposed at where it was its most vulnerable. The last year has taught us that. The last year has taught us that we are not as strong as we thought we were independently and that we not only have to care about ourselves and our plan, but what about our suppliers? All the way from the original raw material suppliers to where are my, how is India handling things? Do I need to source to Vietnam? You know, where, oh, they're having issues. Okay. Oh, the port of Shanghai is backed up. Okay, gosh. So, (laughs) I mean, these things are just consistently in the supply chain and just extending that thought process back a little bit further on how much more flexibility you need to build into your plan. Manufacturing has been critical in so many ways to us continuing to rebuild and move forward. Absolutely. Uh, We have a significant amount of manufacturing clients within our portfolio. I'm proud to say they've done exceptionally well over the past year. I'm glad for any role we had in enabling them to make those decisions and capitalize on the opportunities that have revealed themselves.
0: Yeah, if we hadn't done so much outsourcing years ago, we wouldn't have some of the supply chain problems
1: we're having today, right? And that's a fair point, right? I mean, that you know, I, I remember. Do you remember like? what, four or five years ago in sourcing or near sourcing was a thing. Like people talked about it and they just never made it happen. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to ever get to near, near sourcing again, because here we have everybody working remotely too. So, <laughs> so I mean, it, it it is interesting, but you're right. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've flung ourselves to the, all four corners of the earth, uh, but in a way we've always been that way. We've always been that way. We've always been far flung, even, even, you know, we've got automotive clients, we have clients in manufacturing. Nobody has a 100% domestic solution. Even if they're sourcing parts for their solution, they're coming from somewhere else in the globe. That's just the nature of where we live today and how we are. And it doesn't have to be bad, but you need to have a solid partner to navigate some of that sometimes. Um, and, And that's really where we think we fit in.
0: I really like the analogy about the infinity symbol instead of the chain. That's, I'm gonna yeah. use it. It's, a good one. it. it's all yours. Copyright yeah. free. No worries. No worries. So what what's been the impact in your business the last year with the with the supply chain getting bumped like it is?
1: You know, it it's it's been really interesting. Um transportation had a record year. Uh, just a record year. Um, and that's because the consumer buying habits changed dramatically. You know, parcel became an explosive mode. It's always been prominent, but it's way out of control. Last mile became incredibly important. Um, capacity is strained because there is a lot of demand for goods. Um, ocean, I've never seen containers priced this high to move, ever, 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 ever. It's just as competitive to get a container on an ocean liner as it is to get a what used to be just, I need a truck. <laughs> Who's got a truck for me? Brokerage had an amazing year. So we're no different in that regard because that's the industry we're in, right? What, what I will say is that we've employed a new concept that we call the three Cs. So it's create, collaborate. I'm sorry, take it back. It's capture, collaborate, and create. The capture is really speaking to not wasting time, not overthinking. But if there is an idea, if it sounds good, if there's an opportunity we identify, capture it, act upon it, look at it. What is it th- that we think we should do? Then we collaborate. And that's been, I think, the challenge all of us have faced as new ways of collaborating. Zoom calls, WebEx, Google, we meet on all of them now because all of our clients have one or the other. We've become used to speaking through a computer screen. We've been forced to look at things a new way and connect to not only in-office employees, but those working remotely to make sure that they're all connected but also collaborating on the same idea, sharing that experience and that expertise in a distributed way internally, and then the create part. And when I say create, I don't mean it in a verb. I don't mean create a plan or create a next meeting. It's literally create. It expresses finality. Take that idea that you've captured and that you've developed as a team by collaborating with each other and take that creation, and it's now a deliverable. It is now valuable. It is something that is the final manifestation that is tangible and get it out there. Get it out there to the client that needs it. Get it out there to the market that is desiring it. It enabled us to act very quickly. That's been the biggest impact we've seen internally is how we've always been good at at seizing opportunities, but just we've been so much more focused and finite on it. It's as if there's a time clock that is there invisible saying, we don't know how much time we have. Well, let's capture and let's go. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a good it's good advice in any any business so when i when I see yeah. it the, with businesses i work with them the idea the capture the create is there but the execution goes
1: <laughs> yeah i mean uh, and look that was deliberate for us i mean create for us was that was no that's that's you've create like that's finality get it done let's let's not waste time with analysis paralysis let's right. not waste time trying to get, you know, you've, I'm sure you've seen this in in your career. I know I've, I've seen this in mine where the more people we can expose to an idea and get buy-in, you're not trying to get buy-in for additional support. You're getting blame sharing, right? So if it goes South, we were all in on it. So- (laughs) So rather than waste time with that nonsense, it's like, hey, if it's a good idea and you get a group together and you all are like, yes, let's make that work, then let's make it work. Just create it then. Let's just collaborate, create, get out of the way, let smart people do what they know how to do, and let's go. Good
0: for you guys. That's, yeah. that's a different attitude than what I'm used to. Uh, <laughs> on my background, I came from a Fortune 500 years and years ago, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I I couldn't could survive. Then you know. Then you know. <laughs> I couldn't survive. I decided when I'm going to go broke, I'll do it on my own. I went out and started with <laughs> <laughs> So, but there's a lot of that in analysis by process. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, I looked at your structure and you're, you're pretty uh, decentralized. It looks like mm-hmm. from a management standpoint, you focus on your core businesses, which is cool. It mm-hmm. doesn't look like there's a major structure you have to go through outside of your uh, area of responsibility. You own that. That's my take on what you uh, see.
1: Yes. I mean, we, we are organized as, you know, we refer to internally as business units. So I lead the FAP business, um, but we still have shared services that we all lean upon. And, you know, sure. they, you know, our commercial organization, our analytics organization, I mean, these are all shared services that are very, very critical to what we do. And frankly, staffed by some of the best thought leadership in the business. I mean, it's incredible the amount of expertise and brain power in these groups. And we leverage all of that. You know, so we're all, and as business units, we still very much work together. You know, again, mine in particular, I think there is not a customer that we have that I don't touch in my organization in one way, shape or form. Even if those customers are part of the less than truckload business unit or our managed transportation business unit, or our parcel, we're all still connected through freight audit and payment. So my peers are as much my internal customers as they are my coworkers.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the questions I was going to ask is where do you think your industry is going? I, I had a guest, uh, I think it was earlier this week, <clears throat> That, that moves that builds actually builds custom bespoke containers. it's a pretty good idea he, it's a totally different build. I loved it. but he was talking about the availability of empty containers. there aren't any that you can't get you can't get empty containers on ships because the supply chain's backed up and they want full containers and he said I can't find them. <clears throat> so what do you, what do you see in the next 12 18 months with this mess with this
1: traffic jam I guess is a little bit. <laughs> Ironically, right? The traffic jam. Um, I I honestly think there's going to be a lot of continued focus on some of the core issues that all of the shipper community, and when I say shipper, I'm referring to customers that are actually shipping something, right? So manufacturers in, in your specialty, for example, are still going to face some of the same issues and looking for more ways to leverage Inventory management solutions that are innovative, working capital solutions that are innovative, capacity solutions that are innovative, because those will continue to be issues, I believe, for the foreseeable future. But in addition to speaking to just my space in particular, FAP has changed. When this business started, FAP started, well, not our particular business, but the FAP industry started in the 50s. I mean, as soon as deregulation happened, it was like, well, how do you know you're paying the right amount? Somebody should look at that for you, Right. And it has my company. That's right. I mean, it it was a cottage industry for a long time until it grew more in importance. And it is now on the cusp of something else where the the merger of the people, the expertise, as you know, Martin, I've seen some of your work. You know, people are the X factor in any industry to make things work or not work. They are the ultimate asset you have is your human capital. There's a reason they call it capital, it is an asset. That will always be the case. But merging the new technology in that and layering in the different financial opportunities there, FAP looks more and more like fintech than a cottage industry now. And I expect that will continue. Um, We're already delivering visibility, validation, and data. There's so much there that is already part of the process. And as new technologies are integrated, such as AI and perhaps even blockchain at some point, that's where FAP merges into an entirely different space. Um, and I, I see that in the foreseeable future for the industry. I know it's certainly in ours. I, I think that's where we're going next.
0: Well, I think what you're what doing is is kind of what I did back in the late 80s and 90s. I, I sold pipeline timing. I sold inventory reduction. And, and I sold that by technology. I had, I, had enough, I had more information on their inventory than my customers had. And I had some big customers. Exactly, exactly. You're in the same position. You've got the data, the information. Which, which creates your value because one of the things I always ask is what value to provide your customers. It's, it's the information. We're in an age now that what, there's so much information and there's very little, so much data, there's very little information, right? So if you can provide the information, break it down for them and whether it provides value, uh, it's a no-brainer. It's exactly
1: totally agree. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. I, I have a term that I've used um, that I call actionable data. So that if you just throw a bunch of information at me, that's that's the equivalent of white noise. What am I supposed to do with what I'm looking at? Tell me what's relevant. Sort it for me. Glean what's important for me in my business. What should I be doing six months from now? What should I be doing a year from now? What am I not doing now that I should be doing? That's where data becomes important. And you get that through this process because, again, using that infinity symbol, right? What we did yesterday affects what we're doing tomorrow and what we should have done six months ago our lessons that we're putting into our supply chain two years from now. It's all, it, it's perpetual and data is the center of all of that. You're hundred percent correct.
0: One of the things I see with, with my, I really try to focus in my practice on companies 10 to hundred million. <clears throat> I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I don't want to big, big companies anymore. I'm too old and crouchy for that. <laughs> I can't take the policy. <laughs> but I like helping a, a company we can make an impact on. And what I see most of these, these owners don't look that far ahead. They're, they're, they're just trying to stay alive today. And, and a part of this podcast is helping them to say, look, there's there's solutions out there, you know, wherever they come from that can provide information and provide data and provide help for you just get them thinking more strategically. I mean, I've done, I've been consulting for 16 years after I sold my company and it's rare. I find somebody that's really, uh, has a has a solid strategy, a value proposition, knows their direct knows their market. I mean, it's it's, uh, and I'm not I'm not knocking. I get it. You know, I'm in that same situation. You're you're so close to the fire every day, you can't move back. And uh, so part of this is just hearing from folks like you that say, "Hey, here's here's what's going on out there. Maybe this maybe it could be some help with you." I mean, manufacturing. I I uh, had a client here that talked me into a one year. Uh, engagement for as a COO, which I, I, was, I was way too old to do that, but I did it. But his freight costs were astronomical, and where they were, where they were killing him was because he was he, he couldn't afford inventory, so he was expediting his material.
1: Well, <sighs> you know, <laughs> it, it was just crazy how much he was spending on that. Uh, but and it's, I, it's, I, it's, I understand it. I get it. I totally get it. I mean, you get, this is where I think the market is really going, right? Because it's no longer about what's the least expensive way I can move the goods. Those all of those things come into place. I have to have inventory. I have to, I can't be just in time anymore, but man, it's expensive. Not only do I have to have the space to actually physically house the inventory. It's on my balance sheet it's on my balance sheet. Like I have to count. (laughs) I can't count it as a sale. I got to get it out my door. Uh, So if I at least get it out, uh, if I expedite it, I understand we've run into some of those very same stories, um, you know, and, and thankfully we' um, resolved a lot of those issues for our clients you know we have some unique inventory management solutions that have been very productive um, if we have to work on getting freight costs lowered gosh that's our bread and butter we've done that forever better than anyone else I mean. <laughs> So, I mean, we're, we're all into that, but I, I hear those stories from our own clients all the time when we first get them. And, you know, again, thankful that we're able to help and, and deliver some of these solutions to them. It's a, if there's anything your listeners should know that these are not problems they face alone they're yep. not unique. These are problems that everyone is having. It's just to what degree and what kind. Everyone is having the same problems, which means that you there are providers out there that are already thinking of and delivering solutions for them. They great. should not be afraid to look into it.
0: That's a great point. I, I did a, a article a few months back. It said uh, the top 10 problems business face. And, and uh, I was thinking to myself, these are the top 10 problems I faced 20 years ago. And I friend in <laughs> In Canada, read that. He says, "Yeah, and they'll be there twenty years from now because <laughs> <laughs> they stay the
1: same. I mean, we just we have different ways of trying to deal with I, it." I, yeah, that's an infinity circle we can help break, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't have to be, we don't have to be in pain for infinity. It's absolutely true. Um, I I do think you're right. There is a, a, you can get isolated in your own world, right? And you can, you know, what's in your business, but you know, you, you keep an eye on what your competitors are doing to a degree, but you're really focused on your customers and your problems. And it's hard to step back and say, there has to be someone out there that is thinking about this as much as I am. There has to be someone out there that's had the same level of pain. And of course there is, of course there is. All of you have. <laughs> no one's been exempt from it. I mean, I I think the pandemic taught us that, right? All of us had the exact same problem at the exact same time. Every single one of nobody was exempt from it. And how we all came together to uniquely address those things taught us a lot and is still teaching us a lot. We're still, you know, we collectively as an industry are still thinking about, so what if that happened again? What if there was something else of that kind? Maybe not another pandemic, but something that affected everybody at the same time. What do we do? What have we learned? And those conversations are happening and that's healthy to do. But that was to me the, the one time I remember, I remember February 25th, 2020, I was getting on a plane heading back from Austin and I'm just flipping through my phone, catching up on news, waiting to board. And the Department of Homeland Security said they recommended that all Americans have 2 weeks worth of food and, you know, water on hand for an emergency, 2 weeks. I'm like that's where it used to be 3 days. And I was like that's and at that time there were 57 cases of covid in the United States. I got back to work and I said I brought my leadership team together and I said, "Hey guys, um I don't know how much you've been keeping up on this coronavirus thing. They weren't even calling it covid then, this coronavirus thing, but what's our contingency plan is it enough let's take a look what if worst case scenario what if everybody had what if we had to go on lockdown They're like, Roberta that's not going to happen okay probably not but let's just say what if let's just say what if we how do we how do we handle the paper invoices we still get some of those we're mostly electronic but we do how how does the mail room happen who gets the mail how do we redirect how does our Greenville location can we back each other up how does uh, how do we ensure the EDI feeds? We did everything. And then we said, okay, let's get to our people. How do we make sure we know where everybody is? How quickly can we send everybody home to be safe? What's our remote work plan? And we did so much. I even got a little bit of ribbing saying, really, Roberta, so are we planning for a zombie apocalypse after that? I said, I don't have a problem with the plan. We're not spending months. We're not forming committees. We're just making sure that our existing plan could survive the worst two weeks later, we sent everyone home. It was that fast. And it blew my mind how quickly it got to where we said, we're never going to get here, but what if, and it got there within two weeks. I remember the. I remember when we sent everyone home, I said, I never thought we'd all, I, what do we do now? And, and the funny thing was, it wasn't like, what do we do now in terms of business continuity? Because we continued without missing a step because we had planned. It was more of, so what's when is normal again? That was where I remember that feeling of awe, and we're still not quite there, right? We're still, I'm still, we still do that. Uh, So when is normal back? But we're inching back to that in safe ways. You know, we we are. I think everybody is. We all crave it. But I say I share that story just because we were all in that moment. Yeah. all of us had that one sense of adrenal of a we have to react we have to keep our people safe we have to think of the business and the supply chain for sure because how do we make things how do we keep trucks moving i mean we can't stop we have to without without the funds the supply chain's not fluid sorry it's not we have to pay people we have to That's keep right. we have to keep capacity open um we have to help our clients and and so we had a particular sense of urgency and adrenaline around that but yeah, there was a moment where it was just, we had to execute on our worst case scenario within two weeks of writing it. I think we all had that moment at one point or another at the same time. It's a, history will look at this not only as a horrific event that occurred over a period of time, but if, if, if the writers are right, they're going to look at this period as a unique moment in time where all of us were simultaneously faced with the same yeah. adversity at once.
0: But not everybody dealt with it like that. A lot of people tried to wait it out. I mean, it was just varying degrees of getting through it. We used to stop the spread 18 months, 20 months ago, whatever it is. Well, how can Tokyo reach you? I mean, AFS um, Logistics is the name of it. AFS Logistics, I think,
1: right? AFS Logistics. Um, I have a I married into a long Italian last name. So the easiest way to reach me is to go to AFS.net because it's only three letters instead of 12. AFS.net. Um, there is a leadership tab. My bio is there with my contact information. I have my email, my phone numbers. That's Great. the easiest way to reach me. Great.
0: Uh, I'm used to, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Italian Polish names are second nature to me. <laughs> didn't even blink at that one. Uh, <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for your participation. I enjoyed having you.
1: Martin, uh, it's it's been great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed this. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs-up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger uh, or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.